Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pursuit of Purpose. This is Chris Dunham coming to you now from my office in Dallas, Texas. And uh, for those of you listening on the audio version of our podcast, thank you for the increased follow and sharing the messages as well. The podcast is titled The Pursuit of Purpose. And uh, even though we are right now paralleling some of our messages on our YouTube channel, we're trying to make sure that people are aware of both. Our most recent endeavor was the effort to begin to engage in a written format as well. And to that end, I have started a daily devotional or actually a devotional that's posted every other day. I do write them as often as I can, but we try to get it out about once every other day. That's on an app called Telegram where you can subscribe to Krish's devotions. Some of you who follow me on WhatsApp uh, and by regular text messaging, if you're in that inner circle, Uh, We hope that uh, you're taking advantage of that, too. We're getting more feedback on that and just about any other thing I have done. We're starting some new endeavors uh, in the the realm of a subscription model of other kinds, and we'll keep you up to date on those issues as well. The other day, in preparation for a devotion, I stumbled on a story, and the story led me to start thinking about what we treasure and what is valuable to us and what is our worth all about. I've titled this message, Vocal Silence. Vocal Silence. Quite of a strange way to address a topic. How can you be silent and how can you be vocal in the same way? Well, this goes back to the adage that sometimes our actions speak louder than our words and sometimes our silence is a form of disapproval that does not require any communication. I remember many a time in my youth when uh, my father would uh, look at me with those uh, disappointing eyes or when he would nod his head from left to right saying I expected more from my boy. Things like that actually would hurt me more because of the anticipation of not knowing. And by that I simply mean that when you grow up through life, uh, there is some amount of communication that reveals itself to you just in the spoken word, just as we're communicating. Most of you who track with me and followed me over the years know that there is a bent, there's a method to my madness, but there's also probably some purpose behind my passion, but also there is uh, some desire to get across a motivation or a message. Now, you know that about me, and you know that I'm a communicator, and you know that I'm a speaker. So when when you ask me a question, most of the people who have know that I'll respond right away. If there's silence on my part, some people take that as disapproval or some people take that as uh, a doubt. It may just be that I'm busy and then they'll quickly send three or four messages saying, is everything okay? I called you in the morning. It's not unlike you to respond only late in the evening. And the reason I'm bringing these things up is there's something in our world called a vocal silence. There's some things we don't participate in and the other people get the message loud and clear. And sometimes we are better off being silent when we voice our opinions and it doesn't offer any hope either. So the first thing I'm going to do is paint for you a story or uh, 
reveal a story to you that has been told and told by pastors uh, ad nauseum over the years, and then probably put a backdrop on it. And this one, I hope, will try to wrap up in under 15 minutes. If I go longer, I'm a speaker. You know why I went longer. Somewhere along the line, I got a thought or a trajectory that took me down a rabbit trail, and I couldn't unwind myself fast enough to get back to the main point. Well, the story is written by O. Henry, and it's written as the gift of the Magi. It was published in New York in one of the papers, I think, in the early 1900s. And many people took that short story and created many punctuated references to it. But the story is quite simple. It has a comical irony to it. But the story is basically of Jim and Della. Jim uh, and Della tried to surprise each other every Christmas by giving each other something unique as a gift that would be treasured by the other. Times were always tough, and you can add more complexity to the story. It is a story. So when you tell it and retell it, or when I have heard it and reheard it, I've heard many different rabbit trails added to the plight of Jim and Della, their uh, economic condition, their religious persuasion, whatever it is. But I want to peel away the veneer and just give you the story in its bare transparency. That is, Jim and Della were two people. Uh, means may have been limited. We don't know how much they had or how much they didn't, and I'm not going to take a literary license to go down that path. But Della had long hair and uh, Jim had a pocket watch. Well, that's the backdrop. This year they decided to do something with uh, what they didn't have. And so that was money. So they decided to do something for each other that would surprise others as they had done in years past. So Della goes to the store and uh, offers her hair up for sale. Someone cuts her hair, and uh, again, we're not going to go down the path of how majestic was her hair, and uh, that may be for a sermon unto itself. But uh, Della's hair fetched her the sum of $20, which may have been a king's ransom in 1905. Now, Jim comes home the next day, and Della promptly presents him with a platinum chain that would go beautifully with his watch. We're assuming it's a pocket watch. Now, Jim, on the other hand, wanting to surprise Della, you know where the story goes, you've heard it many, many times, had sold his watch so he could buy a set of beautiful combs that would be part of Della's ornamentation, so to speak. Combs that could sit in the hair, I guess, combs that could comb the hair again. Not reading too much into it, I just want to look at it. Each of them sold something that they treasured deeply so that they could buy something of value for the other. But the comical irony to the story is when Della saw her gift of beautiful combs, now sans hair, that she had sold, she must have thought to herself, this gift was given with great love because he sold a watch to give it to me, but the gift is useless to me because I don't have the hair that I needed to put the combs in. Jim's gift was the same way. What good is a platinum chain now, given because the wife of his had cut her hair, and at the same time, the gift has no value to him? So this brings me to my first mood, and that is, what you treasure may be of no value to someone else. What does that mean? It's not in the gift, it's not in the giving, it's in the thought that we say matters when you give a gift. And there are many times in my own journey when I've given a gift which I thought would matter to my wife, and in her heart it was not the right thing, or it was not something that she 
needed at that time or not something she wanted. Now, this year, we did something very unusual. We said, let's give ourselves gift that is of equal value to both of us. So let's this year for our anniversary do something that we both treasure and would both value and it would have the same amount of worth to both of us. And I've given the story in a different format to some of you, but I want you to look at the principle behind it. Vocal silence. This year was our 35th anniversary. So after three or four years of dating and 35 years of marriage, we're creeping up on four decades of togetherness. So we have probably surprised each other every which way from Sunday, taken the trips we need to, seen the beauty and majesty of the world, given each other flowers ad nauseum and bought each other gift certificates and taken ourselves to fancy restaurants to celebrate countless occasions. And that's all they are. They're occasions. Jim and Della's occasion was Christmas. There is something magical about Christmas and the birth of the Christ child. There is a magnificence in the way the cities light up. There's a glory to the way the carols are sung. And I love Christmas. But the arduous task of picking gifts for other people that has now become more of a drudgery and a, 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 a thing that actually says, I got to go do my Christmas shopping. It stresses people out. But technically what we celebrate is the birth of our Lord who had a virgin birth one time in Bethlehem all those years ago. So just like Easter, Christmas for us is just an anniversary. But it allows us in Christendom to celebrate and rally around two very pivotal events, the birth and death of Christ. And this husband and wife may have felt no different. This Christmas, I got to give her something special because it is Christmas. Now remember, the gift of the world that came into the world came in, born in a manger, uh, in a trough that was designed for animals, uh, lived in relative anonymity, a life of only three years, but changed the world. And this is what I mean by gift. So this year on our 35th anniversary, I suddenly realized that my trip to India was going to coincide around that time. Uh, some of the relaxation and the rules in India that uh, opened up a window for me to travel there was going to allow me to get to India um, on one of those flights and then stay in Delhi for a couple of days and uh, quickly take our test and bring my dad back with me. Well, the irony of ironies is the comic irony of the whole thing is I was going to make a gallant effort to go to India to see her father who's ailing, to bring my father who's aging, and uh, do it all around our 35th anniversary. When I spoke to many a couple here, they said, man, I would be in the doghouse for a year if I decided that I was going to leave the country during the middle of a pandemic, take risk, avoid the 35th anniversary celebrations that are mandatory, and go to India and bring your dad back so I get the joy of serving him for three months while he's here. But the beauty of that trip culminated in something else. On the 16th of February, my 35th anniversary, I was in the presence of her father. He was on his back, uh, just resting, uh, had had a few issues with his uh, health in the last couple of months, and as a result was feeble, was weak. He opened his eyes, and there was such joy in his eyes. When he held my hand, I looked at him, and I said, I just came halfway around the world to hold the hands of the man, to hold the hands that gave my most precious gift in the world, your daughter, to me as my bride all those years ago. Now when I tell the story, there are oohs and ahs in the audience. 
Women think it's the most romantic thing I've ever done. Men look at me and say, wow, man, you may have hit the jackpot with that one. No, it was ordained in simplicity. It was breathed in obedience and it was birthed out of discipline. I went to India to bring my dad back. I knew I'd be gone on my anniversary. But the thought of going and seeing her dad on our anniversary was something that was quasi-premeditated. But the logic of actually holding his hand and realizing that all those moons ago, that was the hand that had walked her down that short aisle because we got married in her house. We were unequally yoked. We didn't get married in a church. My parents wouldn't attend a church. Her parents uh, decided to have the wedding in her living room. So she's walked out of one room into the other. Still the stunning bride. The ambiance was simple. The audience was meager. But the hand that he held was the hand that has held me. He walked out and he gently put her hand in my hand. And when he put her hand in my hand, I suddenly realized he was transferring something of immense value to him. The worth of that transfer has to be the worth of a lifetime. See, what you treasure has to be what other people treasure. What you treasure cannot be that which other people find no intrinsic value. And yet when you give, you find something great because you gave it and the others who receive it don't really realize that that was of any importance to them. And sometimes in our giving, our gifting is based on how valuable we think our gift is. Our work towards God sometimes is the same way. We put more worth in our work than worth in the word of God. He created the universe. He doesn't need us for anything. So when we make deals with God or we, we barter up and down, we are misrepresenting the treasure that he has given us, that imago Dei. He has given us his image. Today's message was going to be short. It was going to be sweet, and we promise we will deliver on that. But I want you to look at it. Are you giving every day that which does not matter to other people? Are you receiving every day from people that which matters more to them than it matters to you? Is there an equilibrium you can draw in both giving and receiving? Sometimes if you receive something and it means more to the other person than it does to you, don't give it away to someone else as that popular TV show uh, coined a word. It was called re-gifting. And I know we're all good at it and we do it sometimes. And most of the times those re-gifting ideas birth themselves as white elephant gifts or part of the ugly sweater get-togethers. There is comic irony in our giving. There is comic irony in our receiving. But it is the feeling that matters. Are you giving things which you treasure the most? This is Abraham uh, getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, born out of much weight, born out of much anticipation. And he says he was ready to drop the thing when the angel says, don't do it. And he says the sacrifice will be provided. Friends, we all have a gift that has given us eternal life. We all have a gift that uh, paid the price. All we're doing is evaluating the cost. But before you start thinking of yourself as making a great sacrifice, ask yourself, is the worth of that which you treasure now translating into the work that the, which you do? Or are you relying on the word of God that gives you the greatest treasure to begin with? This is what I call vocal silence. Or what you're giving mean more to you than the person receiving it. 
Is what you're receiving mean more to the person giving it than you who are receiving it? Or is there intrinsic value in everything you do because you are giving away that which you treasure the most and you know that when you give it, the other person will equally look at it as a gift that keeps on giving and will eventually embrace that gift? I'm obviously talking of the gift of the good news. Make sure today that you spread good cheer. Make sure today that you give good hope. Make sure today that you participate in this thing called vocal silence. Sometimes don't say anything that your disapproval will tell them you really are not happy. Sometimes act in such a way that your actions speak louder than your words and you really don't have to say anything, and that could be a variety of vocal silence. Maybe we'll unpack more of this, but I had fun delivering this. I hope you had fun listening to this short missive. Until next time, good luck and God bless, and we'll see you down the road. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.